Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. My personal belief, and I think I've stolen this from someone else, but my personal belief is that the best position is the next one. And the iPad enables you to move from like using it as a traditional laptop um, or using it with an external monitor or using it on the bed like or on a sofa with Apple Pencil. And I always have an Apple Pencil with me. I Sometimes I love editing with an Apple Pencil on the couch or just kind of sitting in a comfortable spot on the floor. Um, and... Um, and also, when I'm carrying my smart case around, I don't have to carry the bulk of the keyboard. And I can use my Apple Pencil to get it done. Sometimes I like using the keyboard, too, and the trackpad. And uh, it's just like it's just nice to kind of be able to do it any which way I feel at the moment. Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. I'm super excited for this episode as it kicks off a new series I'm going to be doing all about photography and photo editing. So, uh, contrary to the last episode that I recorded, um, I ended up passing along my 12 mini and picking up a 14 Pro Max. So, I am all in on the new iPhone and have been really taken aback by just how great the camera is in this new line of phones and it's the first time I've had three lenses on my iPhone I've never had a pro phone before and I'm taking a lot of pro raw images as well and I've been learning like how to edit these photos it's just been a really fun and enjoyable experience diving into this world of photography and I think I'm probably not the only one out there that the pro phone, this may be your first pro phone, or this may be the first time you're shooting in pro raw because of the incentive to use those 64 megapixels rather than 12. So there's a lot of incentive for the first time to use pro raw in a way that it wasn't there in the past. So I thought, let's dive down this rabbit hole and see how deep it goes. And this is the first of what will be many episodes covering photography and photo editing on the iPad and I guess on the iPhone uh, a little bit here with the capture and some editing as well. And I'm going to be diving into all of the major apps. And this one will start out with one of my favorites, Pixelmator Photo. So there will be episodes on Darkroom and Lightroom and all the other apps that I'm discovering as I'm going through this process of seeing what tools are out there for iPad. And I want to dive into all of them to see where the strengths and weaknesses lie in this kind of photo editing realm. So in this first episode, we're joined by Rishi, who is a Pixelmator photo user. He has been using it for many, many years now. And we dive into his uses of the app and kind of his style of editing and uh, the kind of photos he likes to capture and, and the tools he uses as a photographer. As a reminder, you can support the podcast over patreon.com slash iPad pros or by subscribing in Apple podcasts. With that, Here's my interview with Rishi, all about Pixelmator Photo. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Rishi. Thanks. So you're the first of what I hope is many guests as I embark this journey of photography and uh, specifically photo editing and pro raw editing. And uh, I, I, uh, in a dramatic change from the last episode people heard is I, I 
got rid of my 12 mini. He's handed that down to a family member. And I have a uh, 14 Pro Max. And um, I've just been stunned at the image quality and depth that you can get out of that 48 megapixel sensor, especially in the Pro Raw format. And that led me down the rabbit hole of, oh, let's do photo editing for the first time in my life and uh, on iPad as well as the phone. And I've been trying out a bunch of different apps. And uh, you use Pixelmator Photo, which is one of the apps that I bought a long time ago, never really um, did much with. And I'm grandfathered into the lifetime subscription thing that they're doing now. Um, so uh, that's where we're going to start, I think, is Pixelmator Photo. Um, we may touch a little bit on some of the other tools out there. But uh, yeah, welcome uh, to the podcast for uh, our, our photo series. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I think it's interesting that you went from a mini to a max or, or to a pro max. That's a big jump. I like the two extremes. I I went from the 5S to the 6 Plus to the original SE to the 12 mini and I'm at the max. I've never had a middle-sized iPhone. I've only had the big ones and the small ones. Yeah, I've contemplated the idea of not having a phone, not having an iPad, just having an iPad mini for everything. But I use the watch also, and it doesn't quite work out. Plus the camera is the main reason. Yeah, the camera is the reason to have a phone. I mean, <laughs> Right, right. If it wasn't for the camera and the battery, then it would be an iPhone mini. Yes, yeah. Because, um, yeah, the, the camera, it's, it's amazing. Uh, like, this is my, my first experience with the three lens system and uh, the 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 third lens, the um, the uh, zoom lens, the three X, is actually surprising me, especially in the daytime. How what kind of good it's getting good shots out of that thing. It's not a forty eight megapixel sensor, but the three X in good daylight, it's getting me some shots I would not have been able to capture uh, otherwise, which is cool. Yeah, you you definitely need good light for that lens, and if you have good light, it's it's great. If not, good luck. <laughs> yeah, if not, don't use it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and then the two X on the on this latest line, like I know it's using that forty eight to do that, but it looks great. Like it looks better than the three X, like because <laughs> it's working with more data, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's start with, um, I guess your experience with iPad. Like, um, what is the iPad to you, and like what? How do you how do you use it as a tool? Yeah, so the iPad. I don't have a Mac. I mean, I used to have a Mac, and eventually, I'm a pretty minimal person, and I'm looking for um, kind of a very versatile machine. I I love the iPad. I think um, just in tablet and as a laptop and as a general computing device, it does almost everything I need. It's like almost there to be to completely replace all the things I had with the Mac. I would guess I would say is like the main thing is a little bit more audio control yeah. is what I need. But other than that, um, I have an iPad Pro 11-inch. I have a Magic Keyboard. I have the Apple Pencil. And I have also have the Smart Folio case. And um, it just really trend... Um, converts or transforms into what I need it to be. So, so for example, um, if I'm going out in the road and I carry my backpack, I put the iPad often in a smart folio case instead of the Magic Keyboard, so it's a lot lighter and with an Apple Pencil, and I use it that way. 
And also, like, it works as a big battery for my for my iPhone when I go out f- for photography. It kind of doubles as an editing machine and a bigger battery. Yeah, isn't it nice ch- just charging the iPhone from the iPad? Like, that's such a nice feature. Yeah, in my backpack, I have a slot for my iPad, and I can put a USB-C cable into it, and it roots to my pocket <laughs> if I need to charge it while I'm walking. Because yeah. honestly, photography and video take up a lot of battery power for the iPhone. And it, yeah, it does, and that's something that um, what's the, what's the name of the the big photo review that comes out for the iPhone every year? Um, Demand, yeah, yeah, Man, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And he mentioned the forty eight cap megapixel Pro Rock. It uses a lot more battery, evidently, if you're doing a big long photo day like that. It brings some ba- external batteries because it'll use more more battery to capture those. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm personally not that big on the forty eight megapixel aspect of it. I, for me, 12 megapixels enough, and I've shot with pro cameras with 12 megapixels and printed them pretty large. And uh, they like I was more interested always in low light, yeah, um, and big sensors. So I'm glad that the option is there to reduce that to 12 megapixels, which is what I would do if I was using the iPhone Pro 14. Yeah, I me I like it. Mainly for, I mean, the ability to crop in and it's still looking great is provides some cool options in the editing uh, field there. Yeah, but I'm with the viewpoint that like I like the challenge of you know getting it right the first time, as you know with, without too much cropping. But that's just me. Yeah, I like I like to yeah, because you know like cropping is great, but for me, overcropping is never quite the same no matter how smart the computing technology is. But that's that's kind of my experience. I agree. But if you're going in an African safari, you got to stay in the Jeep so the lions don't eat you. <laughs> yeah, if you're going... I, I would say if you're going on an African safari, I would kind of rent a camera gear and sure. learn about it a little bit because <laughs> it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, boy. So, um, <laughs> so outside of photography, what else do you do with the iPad? Like, um is photography do you what is it a hobby to you or do you make what, what's kind of photography to you and like what's what different roles does the ipad fill well the ipad fills kind of all the creative roles like there's yeah just not just photography but um i teach and i do online and in-person teaching i uh, use my ipad for that heavily in in-person teaching like when there's i do one-on-one teaching and tutoring and if I do that, I have a, a portable 14-inch monitor where I have my iPad and Magic Keyboard in front of me, and I connect it to the portable monitor and put it in front of the student so like they can see a mirror of my display. And um, you know, it works really well for that when I'm showing some multimedia and, and some photography or, or whatever I'm showing. And... Um, yeah, I use it online. Like I said, the major problem is um, I want more audio control so I can use high-quality mics for mm-hmm. teaching because audio is really important for me. That's really the only thing that's lacking or the main thing that's lacking for me. Let's see. I also use it for music. I Music is one of my favorite hobbies. I have a whole backpack music studio where I connect. I play the harmonica and... Um, I'm able to play live 
with my iPad, and what I do is I connect my um, my harmonica microphone to um, what are those devices called? Uh, um, these this hardware, um, not a synthesizer or something. Yeah, like a MIDI. But basically, I connect. Yeah, exactly. But any, anyways, I connect. I connect my uh, microphone to that, and then I connect it to my iPad, mm-hmm. and and then I also connect um, my all all that to a Bluetooth speaker, and I use GarageBand. So that sounds a little complicated. Right. I have yeah. a, a picture I, I can send you, but yeah. So I use it for live music, and it works great. And I also use it for recording music. Um, I use it for video editing. I use LumaFusion, and I do. Um, short films with it um i use it for photography i use craft and on the ipad so i use it for um, project ideas for teaching craft is a great tool for teaching and you know we can go into that if you want but that would yeah. be a long podcast <laughs> <laughs> and and like um i i just basically use it for for so many different creative tasks that's really cool yeah. I, I kind of view the iPhone, to be honest, aside from the camera, I view the iPhone as a portal into my iPad. It's kind of like another monitor. And like when I'm traveling, it's just kind of like my iPad is my main machine. I use the iPhone as a portal to my iPad. Yeah, in many ways, like it has, it can run similar apps, uh, just kind of smaller scale than perhaps less powerful in some ways. And then like you get to your iPads, like, oh, I can... <laughs> You know, it's a bigger screen, and you can do more with that. Um, and there are different apps yeah. course, that run more natively, and you have the pencil and trackpad and all the other input methods right. there. The watch is kind of like a portal into my iPhone, and the iPhone is kind of like a portal into my iPad. Yeah, um, yeah. The watch is fascinating, but we don't we don't have time for for that. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Well, I could, Sorry I could have that. a whole episode <laughs> about the, the watch. Uh, the Alter reviews just came out today as we record, so um, very tempting. Anyways. Um, Let's dig into so let's dig into photo editing. So you, you're a Pixelmator photo fan. Have you tried the other big tools out? And what about Pixelmator speaks to you? Well, I use Photos, the main Photos apps, and Pixelmator. What speaks to me about Pixelmator is it feels like an iPad first app, and I like its simplicity. It's kind of uh, I feel like they when they designed it. They, you know, took into consideration the nature of the iPad. It feels lightweight and it does what I want it to do. And it's pretty easy to use and pretty intuitive. And there's also no other alternatives. If you ask me, I would love to have Aperture on the iPad, but that's not happening or as far as I know. We would love to have that on the Mac too, I think at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. No, yeah, and Photos has come a long way, but it's it's no competition to a you know a dedicated app. Um, and like, have you tried Darkroom and Lightroom and the other tools out there? I've tried Darkroom. The interface just never felt right to me. Yeah, maybe it's good at doing what I need to do, but I don't like using it. It has to be an enjoyable experience as well. And you know, to be honest, I know Lightroom would be able to do everything I want to do, but I'm not a fan of Adobe products. I find them. They're kind of like do everything apps, like hundred percent of what you need. Yep. But um, and like you know, there's a whole Adobe ecosystem, the Adobe Cloud, and maybe in the future they'll try to 
get you into using like all their apps, which I don't need. So I find Pixelmator kind of, I use their graphic apps, graphic app as well, mm-hmm. and Pixelmator Photo, and I find them lighter weight and uh, more suited to my way of working. Yeah, for me, it is the most of it's the most fun, I guess I would say, of the editing apps I've tried so far. It the interface is it feels like it's working with you rather than you needing to learn this complicated system. And um, I've I've also enjoyed their machine learning kind of components that they have in there. Some I'll give it a shot, see if I like the effect. If not, I'll turn it off. Um, or like the the magic wand machine learning thing, it'll show you what it did. You can kind of tweak it from there if you want to have a starting point. That's kind of nice. Um, so it's kind of interesting them taking advantage of the machine learning stuff. I'm not exactly sure how it picks out some of that stuff. Like there's a machine learning crop and stuff. Uh, the one thing I do wish they had was like Adobe has a straightening button and you just sit straight in and it kind of looks at the horizon and kind of finds how it should be straight. Um, that is a thing I do kind of miss from, from the uh, Lightroom. Yeah, I'm sure Lightroom has a lot of useful features. Um, there's like a few features that are missing from the built-in Photos app that Pixelmator has that are kind of key to me. Yeah. So I think another reason I I have I haven't really got into Lightroom is because I'm not the kind of person looking for a lot of features. I'm just looking for the right features that I need and uh, an enjoyable experience and um pixelmator does have what i need and um it's it's just also i i kind of do more minimal editing i don't like to over edit stuff and i don't need i don't like to spend a lot of time editing yeah that's something i found yeah with the lightroom you do have so many more tools and i i (laughs) I'd end a session. So this is my first week in real photo editing where I'm not just hitting the magic button in photos and I'm done. Uh, so this is my first week and I've been like giving each of them like a, sh- uh, like a, a day, at, like at night I'd come home after having some photos from the day and, you know, spend three or four hours, <laughs> you know, editing and, and seeing what these tools are all about. And I noticed with Lightroom, I would have these photos that just looked so much more edited and, um, complex because the tools allow you to do some just wild things and with pixelmator the photos they seem just more natural because the tools um they they don't lead to everything under the sun but just the stuff that i think are the the foundations of of i think what you need in a good editor yeah for me over time i found like the better i get at photography the less i do and the less I need to do. So, so you know, that's kind of my approach. And uh, I also, just my style as well is not really, um, over, like, really saturated, really poppy stuff, really cool effects. Mine is, is more basic, minimal, and telling a story with the photos. Yeah, and you live in a very photogenic part of the world, I must say. So it must be a, a treat uh, uh, capturing stuff out there. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm I'm currently in Taiwan, and I love nature. And there's a lot of um, waterfalls and rivers, and I like water as well. So there's plenty to capture over here. And is nature photography kind of what you focus on mainly, um, versus people and animals and things like that? I would say no. I like nature, especially water, like waterfalls, rivers, oceans. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do that, but I'm I'm also 
like mostly like storytelling. And uh, I'm personally going to be working on a series of short films. And what I like about the iPhone is that there's really kind of a, a natural way to go between videos and photography. And so for me, when I'm going out shooting, I'm also shooting video and photography together. And I, I also like, you know, when I do nature photography, I like the human element in it. Like if I'm at a waterfall, I like... I like to have some human or some life form in it to give it some scale yeah. and some persp- perspective that people can relate to. So I like nature and I like people and I like them coming together and I like stories. Yeah, and you mentioned video. And that's something, once the 12 series came out with the HDR video capture, once that hit, I immediately would take like a you know, maybe 30 second or 15 second video alongside a landscape. Cause it is a much different experience. Just, you know, panning and having that video that just looks stunning these days. Like uh, it's, it's nice to have both like, and yeah, it's great to have that as a, another kind of thing to capture. Yeah. I think all those tools are great. I tend to turn HDR off because like I like silhouettes. I like making the blacks blacker. If like if there's a person in the, there, I like it to have um, less dynamic range, so hmm. I can make the person black, and and so people can focus on maybe the sunset, um, and you know being part of a story. So some of the, those things are great depending on what you do. You know, a lot of people just want to take a simple photograph and want everything to show. Yeah, and. I'm more about focusing on what I want to show. And so I like that about the iPhone and iPad and all these tools. Is it, like I like it when it gives you control in a simple way to be more advanced or to be more simple. Let the, either let the computer take care, care of things for you or in my case, um, I like it to sort of get out of the way but give me all the uh, important quality features that I want and be able to use that. So what's your kind of workflow? So you capture on the 13 Pro, is that right? And then um, you're offloading them via iCloud if you're at home. And then if you're in the field, would you do you do field edits at all, like over USB to get it into your iPad? Or kind of what are, what's your kind of getting stuff to Pixelmate or workflow like? Pretty simple. Like I said, I... Usually take my iPad with its smart folio case in my backpack in case I need another battery so I don't need to carry like a battery pack. Um, and also gives me the option if I want to use the iPad to do some things like edit or whatever. And then when I go out, I just carry my iPhone Pro, iPhone 13 Pro. Um, I do have some extras I carry with me. One is like this very, very lightweight tripod, very simple one. Mm-hmm. Um I also use my Apple Watch quite a bit. One of my favorite apps on the Apple Watch is a camera app, and I use that with the iPhone for a lot of my shots. Yeah, it's great for like you can see what it's you can see what it sees, you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And like oftentimes I want a human element in the photo and either like I don't want to be inappropriate and shoot someone in a, you know, maybe I have to be the human element right. in part of the photo. And with the Apple Watch, I can put the phone on a tripod and set the frame how I want and put myself in the picture and uh, control it remotely, which is awesome. 
one of the reasons I originally bought the Apple Watch. Is the phone in any kind of special case that has a tripod uh, thing within it, or are you using Glyph? Or Oh, I'm glad you mentioned Glyph. I forgot the name of it, but that's what I got a long time ago. Uh, to mount the iPhone to my tripod. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that's a Studio Neat, I believe. Yeah, and and another small thing I have, which is really cool, is um, I'm using the standard iPhone clear case that Apple makes um, for my for my iPhone, mm-hmm. and I have an ND filter. And for a long time, I found that a lot of these uh, phone cases, camera company phone cases, try to make these lenses you can put on the iphone yeah i had the ipro um, but, lens back in the day for the 4s and I, it's like this is fun it's like they're expensive but yeah i found them fun but i didn't like putting lenses on my iphone i i like the built-in lenses yeah and that's all i needed but one thing that one lens that i wanted was a neutral density lens an nd filter that basically um that kind of lens basically cuts the light it, that goes into your lens. All it does is is cut the light. Interesting. Because normally um, you want more light, um, but I guess not if it's too bright. Yeah, so the way the ND filter in a traditional camera works is when you want to take shots where, like with water, like if it's the ocean, and you want the water to look like sort of have this natural motion, this natural blur effect, which people wonder, like, how did you do that? Like, how did you get the water to look so cool? It's not Photoshop. It's just cutting out the light Mm -hmm. so that you need maybe 10 times more light to take the photo. And so you put your camera on a tripod and you take the photo. Because the light is a lot less, you can take like a 13-second shot, 13-second exposure or something like that. And what that does is anything that's moving in the frame will become blur. And anything that's not moving will be crisp will be sharp. So it allows this really unique effect that I like. So for my iPhone, I don't know if you understood that whole thing, but for my iPhone, I have a... I did, yeah. I know um, I know the makers of Halide have a secondary app that's less popular, but it's a capture app that's designed explicitly for that purpose. Um, are you using just the built-in camera app that in, in night mode, or how do you actually capture that? Well, well, yeah, let me get back to that. Um, but the reason I bought the ND filter is because I wanted to shoot in Pro Raw and have this motion blur effect. Mm. So my ND, I spent a lot of time figuring out how can I put this ND filter on my iPhone. And I tried all these different gizmos, like a magnetic way to put it and different cases. Nothing was, everything was kind of too time consuming. And finally, one thing I found which was interesting was that I got rid of all the gizmos and put the, I, and I had an ND filter, and I put it right over the camera, and for some reason the Apple case, like kind of holds that that filter in perfectly without using anything, so I just kind of like pop it on the back of the lens and it fits and I don't need anything, so that works out great, and the reason for the ND filter is because I want to do water shots and I want to use Pro Raw. And f- apps like uh, 
uh, what was the name of the app you're saying um, from Highlight? I forget the name. If you if you look them up in the App Store, they do have a, a capture app that, that is different from Highlight. That's that is for these long exposures. There's even like tech in there to like try to remove crowds, I guess, from these long captures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And I was using that app, and I also used a built-in camera app um, because the built-in camera app has a long exposure mode as well if you use live mode the only problem with those apps uh, or using this long exposure mode in those apps is that it uses some fancy technology maybe some video and and the end result is the quality of the image is not really that great for printing or blowing up it's it's not as high quality as a regular photo so um, Uh, specter camera is the other app it's five dollars right that's right so Spectre app, I used that for a while. It works pretty great for, for that kind of photo. And, um, but, but I preferred the built-in camera app has a live view. And when you take a photo in live view without any lens or anything, without any ND filter, if I take a photo in live view of water, and then I, I have to hold it very still for three seconds because that's how long live view takes, I believe, to capture an image. Uh, the live so photos. I, I put it on it. Live photos, yeah. right? Sorry. Yeah, and it, it it kind of feels like live photos are slightly longer with either. Uh, it's got to be the OS or I don't know. It seems like on the 14 Pro, I'm I might might it might be um, nothing, but it feels like they're a tad longer than they used to be. But I'm not sure if that's true. I don't know because I don't have a 14 Pro and I haven't tried it too much on. Yeah, the I need to do a comparison version. Um, between my old photos and see. Uh, but yeah, so you'll hold it on a tripod for three seconds. Or hold it extremely still because uh, they don't want it too much longer than three seconds because people won't be able to hold it still that long. So the reality is like you can do these kind of shots in three seconds and it makes it easy to do these nice effects for long exposure, um, which is hard to show on an audio podcast <laughs> what I'm talking about. But, um, the, but you know... Like the thing is that it uses some video technology and stuff and it's just not as high res or just mm-hmm. lower quality. It works great on Instagram and stuff, but not so great on printing. So you take these live photos and you throw them in to what app to create this effect? Okay, I don't throw it in any app. Oh. So I take I take the live photo on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Like if you go go to an ocean or something where there's water or anything yeah. moving Put the live photo on, hold the camera extremely still, and take the photo. Hold it, I would say, for three seconds, yep. which is what I think how long it takes. And then on the top left of the, um, at least on my phone, mm-hmm. the the top top left of the photo, you'll see you can choose. Um, there's oh, like four options. I the forgot other ones that are was gimmicky a to thing. Me. Yeah, totally forgot that was. They're a, mostly. A yeah, they're mostly gimmicky, but I love the live exposure one, which for some reason nobody talks about. That is the coolest feature because I know doing photography as a sort of professional, like that takes a lot of effort to get those kind of photos. And the iPhone just like kind of is like a cheat. It makes it so easy. <laughs> and and so, you know, it that, that the built-in app does it automatically for you. And then you just refine it. On the um, Pixelmator Photo or Photos app? Yeah, um, I'm playing around with that now. Um, 
Yeah, very cool. Yeah, there was a photo I just sent you, which which basically was done in live photo, but I don't know how to describe it, you know, in audio. Right, yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, and the live photos, that's something that I find frustrating with Pixelmator, at least. And I'd imagine most apps would have this problem of you edit your stuff in Pixelmator, then you, it's back in the camera roll, and now it's no longer a live photo because of all the edits. Yeah, I mean, the the way my process is basically... If I do a live photo shot, I call it long exposure, then uh, I click the edit button in the built-in photos app first and set it to long exposure. And then from that point on, I do everything else in Pixelmator. Yeah, because at that point, Um, you're losing the live photo aspect of it being live and just turns into the long exposure where it's a static. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't like to mix and match between the Photos app and Pixelmator. I like to stick with one all the way because I don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And I kind of feel nervous that some things are getting lost when I switch between apps. Yeah. So I I would love to know what's going on more. but And also it's just a more flowful process if I uh, stick with one app for editing. So any serious photo I do, I usually do in... Uh, I usually edit in Pixelmator, any casual one. Or if I just want to see if this photo is something that's usable for me or something Mm -hmm. I want to play with more, I'll edit it first in the built-in Photos app just to play around with it. And then I'll undo all the edits and go to Pixelmator and do it, you know, the proper way on my iPad. Yeah. And as far as the photo library, you're just using iCloud photo library. There's no, like... That, that that is the the library you're using. I know like Lightroom has their own tools. I think Pixelmator is it just it only integrates with the the built-in library. Is that right? Yes, and I love that. I love to keep it simple. I you know before I used to have this complicated backup procedure and all these ways of doing things. <laughs> all these ways just, of losing. Just, all these ways of losing data too yeah. if you don't do it right. Yeah. And that's what happened. Like, I thought I super backed up everything and I made one mistake and all the hard drives are connected. And like, I just, it just became overly complicated and I lost things. Yeah. I found iCloud to be incredibly reliable for me, incredibly simple. The only problem is that like, it takes time before it shows up on my iPad for editing right and then yeah a lot of times it'll pause uploading if you're on battery power it's like no keep uploading <laughs> uh, and then um i'm at and then storage space is always at a, a premium with um yeah uh, we're capped at two terabytes until we get the the apple one subscription I, I wish they would let you just let me buy four terabytes without going the apple one that'd be nice yeah so like i'm also very i'm kind of picky on what photos i keep and what photos i delete I don't want like 20 photos of the same thing. Yeah. So I, I shoot everything in Pro Raw unless I'm using live photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, live. You said it was live photos? Yeah. Um, unless I'm using that. But I try to shoot as much as possible in Pro Raw and just keep the shots that I like. I don't want a big, messy iPhone live, iPhoto library. Yeah, I need to do better and at on, uh, having like a, a weekly cleanup. Yeah, I'm very methodical about that because keeping my library organized means I just enjoy it more and I can find what I'm looking for. Sometimes having fewer pictures of the same thing is more rewarding. It's like more special. Yeah. So I don't need like 10 shots of one person. I just want like one or two that are really good. Yeah. Now, for those that are new to Pro Raw, like me, uh, 
so on the the newest phones, it, it enables you to capture the 48 megapixel camera, amongst other things. But um, so if you are on an older phone, like you you said earlier, that 12 megapixel is all you really want uh, for most photos. Um, what what are the benefits of Pro Raw? Um, versus the standard capture um there's more like does it allow for different edits that are just not possible with standard images i love pro raw i find that more than the edits it's just for me the picture looks more natural like it has that natural grain i find the smart computing stuff is good and stuff but there's something about when you're not when i'm not shooting in pro raw it just kind of feels like like um pastely or like smoothened out and um i i just love the natural pro raw look it's it just the photos are better for in my opinion that's number one mm-hmm. and number two there's just more data so like editing you can you can do more with editing without it destroying the picture and you you know most people won't notice that the destruction of their pictures with editing because you mainly see it when you you won't see that on Instagram in small phones, yeah. but you'll see it when it's blown up or in prints or on big screens. So, like um, with Pro Raw, when you're choosing to change the highlights or shadows, it has data of like what the highlights and shadows are versus if it's just a standard JPEG or H, the high efficiency thing. It's just kind of looking at the photo and doing its best to guess at what those are. Is that I guess the the big difference as far as the software understanding what's what in the photo? Well, I would say it's just like audio. There's lossless audio and there's compressed audio. Yeah. So, you know, basically you lose something by compressing the photos. No matter no matter what fancy words they use, it's still a compressed photo. So, like, because uh, there's a lot of data that's captured. And um, I, I love having that data, but I don't want too much of the data. Like, 12... I'd rather have Pro Raw in 12 megapixels than than um, HEIC is what it's called or yep. JPEG and 48 megapixels. Pro Raw in 12 is much more useful for me for printing, for Instagram, for Facebook. It, it's just much a much better use, usable in real life format. Whereas 48 megapixel is like a good story, a good like, hey, it's, this is cool. We got like a big number. Yeah. And do you do any photo library management within Pixelmator itself or do you mainly do that within the Photos app? I, yeah, I do it within the Photos app because Pixelmator uses the same, it uses the Photos app right. or the, the same yeah. thing. But the Photos app just seems to do it better. I do a little bit in Pixelmator while I'm in it, mm-hmm. but I mostly use Pixelmator. I organize stuff in the Photos app and then I edit on Pixelmator and I save it. Other than, you know, putting my favorites or something putting my favorites on a photo or something, I generally use the Photos app for my organization. Okay. And you'll overwrite the original image with the edits. You, you won't save like a duplicate uh, before you start, or because you can always revert to the original, which is nice. Yeah, so there's really no need, right? Yeah. If um, whatever edit I do, uh, I can always go back to the um, the original file. However, like occasionally, like I'll. You know, I'll need a, a different edited version for a different reason, depending on what I'm doing. Maybe a different crop or just a black and white look or something. 
So, you know, sometimes I'll duplicate the photo to have like um, a different version of the edit. But I don't I don't need to duplicate it to save the original because that's there. Yeah. I just, I just trust it. Right. So um, what's your actual editing process? Like, do you go from the top of the list of like white balance down to the bottom and just kind of tweak every knob until you kind of have it like you just see how it affects it and or do you have certain like things you go to first and then you tweak some other things from there? That's a good question. There's not really too much of a science, but there's very similar things I end up doing for my photos. Um, Maybe one of the first things I might do in Pixelmator photo is there's that ML button that does everything automatically. I don't know what ML stands for, but there's a a magic wand button. Okay, yeah. So it kind of does everything automatically, and I just click it to kind of see what the computer thinks, what Pixelmator thinks it should look like. And usually I click it and unclick it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you can also because, click uh, it. Uh, you can click it section by section, so you can do a white balance machine learning, and like, you can see what it thinks there. And yeah, you can go yeah. individually, which is nice. Occasionally, I like the machine learning as a starting point, but most often not. But Every single section of the Pixelmator controls, like there's a white balance section, a lightness section, hue and saturation, and other sections, they have their own uh, machine learning just for those specific controls. So it's like a subset of machine learning for the whole photo. Mm -hmm. They have machine learning for individual aspects, like um, lighting or... um, or sh- sharpening, or maybe not sharpening, but lightening and um, white balance and stuff. Yeah, and that, so that's, yeah, that's super I, helpful. I, I find at least it's like a like. Let me see what you're recommending, and maybe change it from there. Yeah, so I do that. Oftentimes, I'll machine learn the lighting and adjust it. And if it doesn't look right, I'll just turn it off and adjust it myself. But yeah, I think a lot of my photos are designed to be in black and white. I, I like black and white. And also, all of my photos are in square. I'm a fan of oh. the square format. So is that an Instagram one of the f- holdover? Like, were, were you early days in Instagram? And like, is that a relic from those days? No, I hate that it's associated with Instagram. Okay, actually, I I don't use Instagram anymore. But I was like a part of the original before they were part of Facebook and Instagram group, and <laughs> stopped using it after I got yeah. sold. Yeah. When it, when Instagram was cool, yeah. yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just I've ex- explored different formats, but I love the square format for my own style. I love how like I love that constraint, the challenge of like, okay, my photos are square, so like I have to think of the photo in that way. Well, going back a step, one of the things I wanted to tell you what I love about the camera app. One of my favorite features is that I set my camera app so that when I'm taking the photo, it shows it in black and white before I take it. So I know what it's going to look like in black and white so I can preview in black huh. and white. And and in the photo in the camera app, I can set the aspect ratio to what I want. So my camera app when I open it up, the photos already what I preview is already square and it's already in black and white. So I can see exactly how it looks. I wish Halide would do that, and I messaged them about it, but they haven't done that. But that's like a really key feature for me. Is that um? Oh, I was going to ask if that was a photographic style, but it's not. It's um, 
the effects thing with the original vivid vivid warm and you're using like nor noir no i'm not using nor i'm using um i'm using uh what am i using mono okay so but that doesn't matter because even if i use mono and even if it's in square the original format in in the original sensor size which is four by three and in color is all that information is still there so i can revert it even if i take it previewed like that i can still revert it back to the original color and yeah because you're capturing ratio. if you capture in raw it's all all the data is there it just gives you an idea yeah that's so really the preview cool. is just an estimation but actually after i take the photo I revert it back to the original color because I want to do the black and white, not the way that the preview looked, but the exactly the way I want it. Right. Um, so I, I take off that effect. So actually that goes back into my photo process. I set the camera app to how I want the photo as close as it is. Um, the, I want the preview to look as close as the final image to, as possible. So I set it to square and black and white. And then in my photos app, I revert it. I, I choose the photos I want to edit, and I heart those photos. And then I revert those photos that I want to edit back to original in the photos app. And then I go to Pixelmator, and I recrop it back to square, maybe adjust it a tiny bit to how I exactly want it. And then I, I, um, I do... If it's a black and white photo, the first thing I do is, you know, I change it to black and white. And Pixelmator has some features in black and white that are really crucial for me that Photos doesn't have. It really has more control of the black and white images. Like you have the black and white photos do have um, red, green, and blue channels. Hmm. And, um, and so you can... When I put the photo to black and white, I can adjust the red, green, and blue channels. Um, there, when you click the black and white, black and white section of Pixelmator, you'll see it shows you more options to control red, green, and blue, and tone. And so that can adjust if uh, if the Im- it's so it still plays with the color of the images. So if the images had some red in it, and you adjust it. Even though it's in black and white, those black and whites will increase in brightness and the rest of the image will stay kind of the same. It's something you have to play around with and it's too hard for me to describe on audio. Yeah. But, the, but the, point is I for, the point is first I do some black and white adjustments and um, I like to add grain to my photos. So maybe I'll add grain next. And that's another thing the Photos app doesn't do it doesn't let you add grain apple just wants to make it picture perfect and smooth and i i really like the grainy a little bit of grain in the photo a little bit of sparkle yeah. so pixelmator has that and i find it interesting black and white's kind of hidden like vignettes also hidden like you have to go into um like all the adjustments customize adjustments and it's it's not there by default which i find curious in the photos app or in the um, in uh, pixel yeah you have to go in and, and add it as an option yeah i forgot but you can customize what's there by default yep. in Pixelmator. so i customize it so it's always there and i also got rid of some things that i are distracting what so kind of you stuff can customize you, the controls yeah what kind of stuff don't you use 
That's a good question. I haven't looked at it for a while, but let me see. Um, I don't use... Um, I think, honestly, I use most things. I don't use so much selective color, but I've used that sometimes. It, it really depends. If it's a... That's a lot of fun. I've noticed, like, if there's, like, blue, you can, like, just touch up the blue to get it like the perfect shade like i sent that um cat my cat in the window and that was so fun just like the wall is this pretty faded not so pretty blue <laughs> like we made our wall look great in photo. yeah so because i do yeah. black and white a lot right it less useful. selective colors yeah but when i do use color I like selective color. I'm very judicial. Like I use it subtly. I don't want it to look like I used it. So it right, should look yeah. natural. But it was wild. But when it I is awesome. Just, yeah, it was wild when I discovered that feature. It's like, oh, you can pick any of the major colors. Um, some some apps, I'm not sure if this one, a Pixelmator has it, but you can use the eye drop even to like pick it out. Um, but yeah, it's just like blue and like it, like the curtains and everything. It just kind of looks great doing that and. Sometimes it doesn't look so great, but other times it really pops and really looks good. Yeah. So to be honest, I use most things depending on if it's a color photo or black and white photo. But I don't use color monochrome or sepia um, because I just don't do that kind of those kind of photos. But most things, uh, most I don't think I use levels that much. Are curves something you use much of? Yes, I use that all the time. Okay, because um, I played around with it a couple times. Like, it seems like as I go through and make the adjustments one by one, by the time I get to curves, I have stuff looking pretty good, and the curves just mess everything up. Do you start with curves as like a baseline, then adjust from there, or how do you use curves? You know, generally I use curves for black and white, where it works really well, and I don't use the color curves as color ones. Mm-hmm. I actually don't. I'm not well versed on. On uh, technically what they do, I will always learn by experimenting. So the the curves, there's a um, that first option which is more about the shades of gray, and um, I basically just use it to control the contrast and the lightness. It gives you more control over contrast and brightness than than the traditional lightness light exposure. I don't know how to describe it, but it works really well for black and white. And it's one of the first things I adjust in terms of getting the contrast and brightness of the image the way I want it. Um, I can, yeah, I can go into detail and how I use it, but it's, I think it would make, it would be kind of uh, difficult in the audio Yeah, to, no. to explain that in Not audio. Good, yeah. um, some other things I really like in the app is... There's there's a machine learning match colors. So like it's almost like color grading where you can pick one photo that you really like how the colors look and you can hit match colors and it'll like match your current photo with the one you're matching, which is kind of a cool thing to because it's 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 different from like so you're matching colors of a completely unedited photo if you want to versus um, copy adjustments, which will copy your current photos into a different photo. This is like backwards from that, which I find really interesting. Yeah, you know, I don't use that. I never, I tried it a little bit, but it just, I feel like it doesn't do quite what I want exactly. 
And that means I'm going to have to adjust it and spend <laughs>、right. that much time. E- even if it's close, it doesn't matter.、Yeah. I just want it how I want it. So I guess it's useful if you're in a rush or something and、yeah. you just got to get it all done and get it as good as possible, but you're not a perfectionist like me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the copy adjustments、yeah. is great. And you can now do that in the Photos app in iOS 16. And that, that's really nice because you can have one photo from a photo session and they're all like. Similar lighting, and you know, you can kind of get them all in a good place after doing your first photo, which is nice. Yeah, I think those are great features for people who want to get things done fast and are not so much into perfection. Yeah, but I, I like, I choose which photos I want to keep, so I don't have like a huge amount to edit. I'm a minimal editor, but I do want it like exactly how I want it, or it'll bother me. So, I don't use those features. Is the Apple Pencil used in your editing at all? I know Pixelmator has, you know, you can repair s with the pencil. There's like a double cap thing to like、uh, turn it into like the comparison tool, which I find is a pretty nice、uh, tool to kind of see where you came from. One of my favorite things about the iPad is video editing and photo editing with a pencil, especially photo editing. Yeah. I find it to be very, very natural. I mostly use my pencil. Sometimes I use my hands.、Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing about, you know, like the pencil is great, but sometimes I feel like it's emulating a finger and it's not, it doesn't make it that much more accurate. It, it helps a little bit, but I、yeah. kind of wish they even got even more accurate with a pencil,、right. like very precise. Yeah, it so, almost needs、like, wish hap- haptics in the next pencil. Like, it'll be kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I would love it if it had mouse over where you hover over the screen and you can see kind of.、Oh, uh, if you're、yeah. going on a website, if you're on a website and you can mouse over a link and it sort of like right. know, highlights it. But that's a different topic. And then, and then you could have the AirPods click where it's like a fake click to like confirm. <laughs> I think that'd be nice.、Uh, but anyway. I don't know. Like, yeah. So, with the, do you use it with the curves? I'd see, I would think that would be a useful thing where you're on the image itself using curves. I do. I, I, use a, I use a variety of things because sometimes I think there's a saying about ergonomics. Like, I like to be in a good posture when I'm working, and people try stand up desks and different ways to sit and everything. My personal belief, and I think I've stolen this from someone else, but my personal belief is that. The pe- best position is the next one. And the iPad enables you to move from like using it as a traditional laptop、um, or using it with an external monitor or using it on the bed, like or on a sofa with Apple Pencil. And I always have an Apple Pencil with me. I, sometimes I love editing with an Apple Pencil on the couch or just kind of sitting in a comfortable spot on the floor.、Um, and. Um, And also, when I'm carrying my smart case around, I don't have to carry the bulk of the keyboard. And I can use my Apple Pencil to get it done. Sometimes I like using the keyboard too and the trackpad. And、uh, it's just like, it's just nice to kind of be able to do it any which way I feel at the moment. Yeah, there are a fair bit of keyboard shortcuts within Pixelmator, but none that I feel would like. I'm, I'm kind of like going through and handcrafting an image. Like,、um, like I'm okay touching things to do that.、Um. I will say,、um, yeah. yeah.、Uh, I will say on the M1 iPad Pros with the external monitor support、uh, and the betas here,、uh, external 
monitor support is great being able to use Pixelmator on a large 16 by 9 monitor where you have um feels like a big old mac app <laughs> it really does uh, fit the it scales up nicely to bigger displays which is cool yeah some of the features of the pencil are crucial for me like for example there's a magic eraser button on pixelmator and that allows you to like if there's a pole or something in your image that you want to get rid of and you want to cheat a little bit yeah you use the magic eraser button and it just vanishes and for that like the pencil is the best it's like the easiest yeah. and you most zoom, natural and most precise all as much as you can and get the pencil and, and and the magic eraser works pretty well for you i've i've used it in the um regular pixelator app i haven't used it in photo quite yet um no i use it i use it quite a bit in for very subtle things yeah and it works it works well but it's not really a, a meant to like delete massive things and completely change the nature of the photo <laughs> right so if you're trying to use it that way it's fine but i don't think it's good for that yeah um yeah the the apple pencil i think uh i i, I yeah i use my ipad in tablet mode maybe 30 percent of the time and uh, for pics for photo editing though maybe 50 percent of the time or more maybe maybe i'm not even sure it's so nice yeah. It's so nice just holding the iPad uh, to edit versus having it in laptop or even on external monitor. Yeah, I feel kind of bad if I don't use it in tablet mode. <laughs> that's, so, so yeah, I, I like tablet mode. I just love how light it is and how intimate it is compared to like a laptop. It feels like something different. So night shift obviously is a no-no in photo editing. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about True Tone. Uh, I like is that that's probably not great because it's adjusting to the light in the room but you're seeing the monitor differently based on the light in the room and then the new ipads i guess i should try this out there's like the uh mode where the xdr ipad pros can be in like reference quality mode that's probably what i should be doing when i'm editing photos right yeah i mean like those are things that can get really messy um it's i i turn off um the night night shift mode when I edit the yeah, photos, or I, I generally, orange. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's your face. That seems like it. Actually, yeah, True Tone seems so, actually, less unsure to me as to if that's bad or good when photo editing. Because yeah, I I don't change those settings at all because I'll have to remember every time I edit to change things, so I don't like to do that. Um, but maybe that could be a good shortcut or something like photo yeah. editing mode. I, I wonder. I never. Yeah, I wonder if you can adjust that stuff with shortcuts. I'm not sure, but like reference monitor mode with the XDR, I don't think that's in there. But True Tone may be in there, and I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure again if I have strong opinions if True Tone is a bad thing for photo editing. Yeah, and I'm not sure about reference mode to be honest for anyone who's not super super pro because. Um, you know, the people are going to see these photos on different modes also on different True. screens. And so I just kind of default to how I view my iPad normally day to day and edit photos and that. I think that just kind of keeps it simple enough for me, for yep. my purpose. So um, denoising. Um, for those that don't know what denoising is, um, what is it exactly? Uh, I I don't know. I, I don't like denoising. <laughs> it's the... Uh, I, I actually like making noise than getting rid of it. Because you had green uh, like those, I, right? Yeah. So the yeah, noise yeah. thing is trying to get rid of like artifacts from the camera. Is that right? Yeah. So the reason I don't know too much about it is because I just probably tried it a little bit and I don't like smoothening out things. Um, 
for for me it's like yeah i like to, i like to make the photos a little bit more grainy and a little bit destroy i like to destroy the photo a little bit more so so like it's it, just making it i think like trying to make it perfect for my taste is kind of always a letdown because you can never make it like your eye sees it and when you try to it just looks to me like i'm trying too hard so i go the opposite way and um i noticed in settings you can enable extended values is that something you've played around with or does it get do the photos start to look too wonky when you uh, have i don't do that because for me editing photos is like salt and pepper i don't my style is you know there's a there's a feature middle middle you're not like cranking the saturation to 100 <laughs> percent. it's like it's like i wanted to look like i'm not editing the photos i wanted to look like i didn't edit the photos but that's my style or you can go the other style where you really want to show like the cool edits you did and make it look surreal surreal or something but that's not my my style so i don't use extended extended editing features yeah and then when you're done at the end of the day, you're just you're just saving it to your photo library versus. Um, I'm looking at the export options. I mean, there's different. Uh, I'm things. I another reason another reason I use um, Pixelmator Photo is for the editing options uh, the exporting options. And um, no, I um, yeah the final image gets saved to my photos and gets organized the way I like it to be organized. But yeah. I also I also post my images on Instagram or my website and for that I use export because and I use a uh, pixelmator because um I have a, a the standard pixelmator like a yeah so yeah. yeah I use pixelmator photo and pix the standard pixelmator because um I want to edit the photos at 900 pixels by 900 pixels for Instagram and my website because I don't really want to put the full resolution image <laughs> there. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want people to have access to the full resolution image either. So I do that. And also, like, the Pixelmator has a sort of... I have a sort of um, template for how I want my photos to look. I put... Uh, a little border around it and i like having a text under my photo like some one line like a text. watermark type and thing? i like well i have no i not a watermark like type thing but a more frame. like um just yeah a phrase yeah yeah a frame and a phrase yeah yeah um with my photos when i post on instagram so it gets exported in pixelmator photo to 900 by 900 pixels and then it goes into the pixelmator graphics app where I put it into my template, write, write one line sometimes and mm -hmm. have a nice border. And now it's presentable the way I want it for on the web or on my website. I would think there would be a shortcut that could be done to do that kind of processing. I'm not sure which app would support that, but I think that's a thing somewhere. I would think so too, but I haven't figured out a way to do that. I think I tried at one point and maybe at the time I tried it, it wasn't possible. Yeah. But I don't know if it's possible because it would depend on the Pixelmator graphics app to provide some things. Right. Because when I write, write the text and stuff, it needs to go in the right place. And um, yeah, I, that would be an amazing shortcut for me if it's possible. 
you gave me something to look into again. Yeah, I <laughs> think so, it might not be Pixelmator that does it, but there might be some other tool that, you know, you can tell at 900 by 900, there's a frame and has the text that you want it and it pops in the image from Pixelmator. And I would think there's got to be something that can do that. There, I don't think so. I think that'd be nice, but there's only so many graphics apps on the iPad and I think supporting shortcuts is pretty new. But if if that happens and if some app has that, I hope it's Pixelmator. Um, you know, they have a Pixelmator Pro 2 or something for the Mac, which yeah. is cooler than the iPad. I wish that comes with the iPad. I hope they put more focus into it. And I hope they what have are, like cool what are some shortcut of the big, features. What are some of the big features from the Mac Pro app that you want to see brought down to the iPad app? I don't know, but I I really don't know. But the graphics app on Pixelmator feels like they haven't done much with it. It's really kind of an iPhone app. Yeah. And it just does kind of what I need, but it's not it, – it feels like it needs a rethinking. And I can't use the Pixelmator Pro 2. It just looks cool on their website and what right. I read about it. It looks like it can do a lot of stuff. Uh, honestly, I just want a good graphics app for the iPad, and I think Pixelmator is a company that can do it. And um, I, I kind of wish Apple made Aperture and a graphics app, like a whole yes. suite of professional apps. Final Cut Pro, uh, like some cool name for a graphics app and Aperture. And like that would be like, you know, there would be no question that the iPad, the iPad is going to take off. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I know people say a lot of good things about Affinity. I know the UI is a bit challenging for some. Um, Pixelmator, uh, the, the, the editing or the graphics app i know had a pretty big update earlier this year that like we're alive and there was a lot of awesome stuff brought to it but yeah it's it's still nowhere near as advanced as some of the other things out there yeah i felt it more of a superficial update i didn't see too much in terms of features i i i think they'll eventually get to an ipad there was limitations with memory before yeah and now the pro opens up some more ram possibilities and they were saying they couldn't do stuff because of that limitation before so who knows maybe they're working on it right now yeah uh is histogram something that's useful at all like i see the charts and stuff and graphs and (laughs) i tried to use it because i feel like that's a cool thing for a photographer to use but like (laughs) but you know like i don't know i use it and it doesn't seem to get the pictures the way i want it to so I kind of like looking at the image itself and adjusting things uh, just by seeing how it changes the images versus the histogram. I, I could never be really, I could never be good at it, even though I wanted to. Yeah. Are you tempted to do uh, versions of your photos in the full um, capture size, uh, if only for the iPhone lock screen to have your own photos uh, take up that full space? Well, I... Um, I mean, I like to print photos. So are you talking about making it... Like, I'm not sure what you mean. Oh, yeah. So you you uh, mentioned square images are kind of where you focus at. Um, the iPhone lock screen is a little taller than a square photo. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. That's um, uh, Square is my default, is what I should say. But, you know, in certain situations, like for I, um, iPhone background image or something... Or um, for some specific purpose, then yeah. I can go back and make a... This is where I make a duplicate version of the image. Mm, so, like, yeah. I can 
I can I can make another copy with even different editing for for you know what it's useful for. If it's yeah. a document, you know, or if I need on craft, the header file uses a widescreen two by one image uh, for my documents, and so I I re-edit my photos for that. So yeah, but this is my default is square. I, I'm not. <laughs> Lock screen is the big news this year, yes. but it's like I I don't even use I'm not a lock screen user, so like it's, it, it's like all this talk about the lock screen, and I don't even like I don't even think about the lock screen. Yeah, so it's not it's not my forte. Gotcha. And then, do you know what happens when I share on Twitter a pro raw image? Because I, I it's got a is there some like low res version? It's it's grabbing somehow, or I can't imagine it's grabbing a seventy megabit file and sending that to Twitter. Is it? I'm not sure. Okay. I've um, I posted, yeah, I post some photos on Twitter, but it's not really a photo first kind no, of uh, social. Images media. don't look amazing there. Yeah, so I kind of uh, I I experimented with using that instead of Instagram, but then I changed my mind because it wasn't designed for that yeah um do you use pixelmator on your iphone to do edits ever i do sometimes like um like i said my iphone is like a portal into my ipad and sometimes like i'm kind of curious to see like you know play around with my photo right away and i'll do it on my iphone but when it comes down to the editing the photo for a final version i use my ipad Using it on the road is good, though. When I'm on the field and taking photos and I want to see if the photo is kind of what I wanted, I can edit it a little bit there just to see. And then I can say, oh, no, I need to take it a little different way. So I can I can it's just like a good way to kind of preview and get an idea of what I want and kind of see if I need to take more shots in a different way. Yeah. Um, Portrait mode has come, I think, a pretty far way since it. It did when it launched with the iPhone 10, I think it was. Uh, do you do much with that these days? Yes. Uh, portrait mode and also cinematic mode, which people make fun of. But yeah. portrait mode is is uh, really useful for me. But I was always frustrated because all the reviews on portrait mode really missed the point. They kept saying like, oh, now it's like a DSLR. You can do blur to, you can get blur to background. But that's not what DSLRs could do. DSLRs not only blur the background, but they also blur the foreground. Whatever is in focus is sharp, and everything around it is blurred out in a natural way. Whereas portrait mode previously only blurred out the background, but the foreground was sharp. And that's that's very limited, and professional photographers know how to make use of blurred foreground and blurred background to make your eyes focus on the right thing and make it look really special. However, I found in the latest release of iOS, which I haven't played around with too much yet, they have made portrait mode, uh, they made a portrait mode update. So you, it does blur the foreground and background the way a natural big lens camera does, big lens, big sensor camera does. And I'm really curious about this because for me, this is a huge deal. And I'm like amazed that I haven't seen any article talk about it now, but they all praised it's, praised it when I didn't like it before that <laughs> yeah. much. No, that's really I, cool. I use it though. I use it for uh, photographs of people. Sometimes, though, um, 
Aside from portrait mode, I use another app on my iPad called um, Focus, F-O-C-O-S. And that allows me to take a, um, a regular photo and blur it, blur it out, kind of blur out the background or blur, blur out around the photo um, after the fact using, uh, I don't know, some algorithms or something. Uh, occasionally, I find that works better, but it's, it's not that great of an app, but it does that specific thing. So that's another way some, sometimes I use that. Um, but I, I, now that portrait mode has been updated, I'm really curious to see how well that works for me. And do you just use the standard, uh, natural light when you capture in portrait mode? Um, I, I try, I mean, natural light is the best, but I, um, I pay attention to lighting and it could be natural or artificial lighting. Oh, I meant My the, flash uh, is... the software thing where it can change like, uh, high key light mono or the contour light there's like all these different modes for for portrait actually actually i do that's this is one of the reasons i go back to the photos app and um i don't use that all the time but sometimes it's pretty nice it works out really well most times it's kind of gimmicky but occasionally like if the photo is taken right according to how the iphone computing sees it it can it can be really nice. Uh, it can it can make the photo look nicer, make it pop a little bit more with, without it looking unnatural. So yeah, I use that occasionally. Cool. And um, I notice when I'm in portrait mode, there's this F button, and I can change the depth um, to f16 down from f1.4. What um, when when I when when I use that? Is that like adjusting the portrait mode? Um, how big the blur is or what is it doing there so like uh yeah so like there's uh apertures is what it's called um not related to the app okay but, um but the lens has a i mean you can think of a lens having a a hole a hole that lets light in and making the it's kind of counterintuitive making the aperture smaller like f 1.4 means you open up that hole really big and you allow more light in and making that number larger, like f22, means you close down the aperture and make it smaller. So something like f22, when the hole is smaller, it's like everything is in focus and nothing is blurred out. That gives you the most range of things that are in focus. F1.4 means like the um, you the range of of blurriness is uh, really small. It means everything is kind of blurred out. And this works really nice, especially for portraits when taking pictures of faces, where you want the person in focus and you want the background and everything else blurred out. You would want to go to like F1.4 or F2.8. And uh, if you want the person and you want a little bit of background to show like context, like maybe it's a person in nature and you don't, you want it a little bit blurred out, but not totally blurred out. So then you'd go like a higher number, like F11 or something like that. And um, yeah, I think the best way to learn that thing is just to play around with it and uh, see how it works. But I think that's a very cool feature. Yeah. And then do you do much at all with Pano captures? I do not. I find that I, I like they have an ultra wide lens now. And that's pretty pano enough for me. Yeah. So, so like, uh, yeah, I tried pano. I think 
Only I would use it if somebody wanted a really wide photo for some reason. But I like I like just um, using the built-in lens and taking it in one shot. But yeah, it's a cool feature to have for once in a while. Yeah. Well, anything else about Pixelmator or cameras or like uh, is the iPhone your only camera? Do you have um, do you have other cameras in your arsenal, or is the iPhone your one and only uh, camera you use? I would say you know I became a I for for a couple of years I was a real minimalist where I had everything I own fit in a 22 liter backpack, so I I used to have a you know kind of a mirrorless full frame Sony camera with several lenses and it was just like kind of a pain for to carry around and not very minimalist, so I just kind of wanted to explore. What if, like, the iPhones are getting really good and it comes with three lenses built in and it has computational photography? Like, what if that was my only camera for video and photography? I really like that constraint. What can I do with this? Can I do really high-quality pictures? Can I do really high-quality videos? And the answer for me is, like, that well that is my only camera now for both video and photo and I love it. And the answer is that um that like if I know the strengths of the iPhone and the lenses and the sensor if I know what it's good at it can be better than a DSLR because it has advantages of portability, multiple lenses in one, combining video and photography and um c- computational photography. But, you know, if I want to do sports photography with the 3X whatever zoom lens, it'll be terrible because it's not a it's not right. so great at low light yep. unless you know unless how to use it. it's perfectly still, too, for night mode, I right. guess. Yeah. Which night so mode the type is, of photos, is fascinating how good that can work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, well, before I, I just wanted to say that um, um, the type of photography I do, like nature – or where it requires everything in focus, um, or um, journalistic type shots, I think the iPhone is really fantastic at that. That plays to its strengths. And for the type of photography I do, therefore, it's kind of the only camera I use. And it's amazing to have a camera that fits in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah, I wish they would uh, have like a high-end iPad mini with the iPhone 14 Pro camera sensor on there. That would be good, but they would also have to be able to make it work with the watch for me to for it to be use, interesting to me. Yes, because that would uh, be. I mean, that'd be that'd be great <laughs> if you had an iPad with the greatest camera that Apple sells, and then you have the watch fully independent with this cellular data plan, and your your watch could be your phone. <laughs> Do you ever use uh, the watch with the um, the iPhone for, for photography? Uh, with the iPhone, yeah. Um, for the family photos where I need to be in the photos, occasionally my iPhone will be, you know, on some kind of stand as uh, as I do that. But that that's about it. Yeah, I use it. It's it's actually a little bit buggy because I I use it like crazy, and uh, I found some faults. There's some issues with it when using live mode uh, because the problem is the watch gives you a three second timer, right? Yeah, and um, but. In that timer, like you click the button, and if it's on live mode, the first 1.5 seconds it captures is during that three seconds. <laughs> so, right. like, you don't have any, you have 1.5 seconds to prepare for the shot if you want to capture, um, 
you want to get a long exposure shot where everything needs to be still and not moving. I, I keep asking them to make a 10 second timer, but I don't know. I guess I'm not popular enough for them to listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, any anything else we didn't cover that you'd like to before we wrap it up? Well, in terms of the camera, like cinematic mode has been really useful for me for video editing for video for video um yeah the new ones they do 4k and you have the option of 24 frames a second which is nice i haven't played around too much with night mode but i think that has a lot of potential for daytime shots people use night mode for taking night shots but i want to see what it's like to take a picture of like an ocean or some water at night mode and uh how how it like um works for things it wasn't intended to i guess i would say i wish apple published a detailed paper which is unlike apple to do about the implementation about what these modes do so i could use them better for different things but um yeah i'm gonna play around with night mode i think i think that has uh, some interesting possibilities and i want to see what it can do yeah with night mode it won't even toggle unless there's like a certain amount of light not there, which you would need that kind of filter thing that you were talking about earlier to have that show up, I'd imagine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't played around with it too much. So I guess I, I wouldn't want to talk about it too much yet. Yeah. But something I'm going to explore. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I've been super impressed with the shots I've gotten off of it. I, I mean, the, the one I sent of the, the cat in the window is this morning, it was like a one-second night mode thing that just uh, turned out to be a great shot. Right. I guess I would just say that the combination of the iPhone and the iPad, just like if you've done photography before with the traditional DSLR, it just makes it so much more, the workflow so much better because... You don't need SD cards and you don't need like to transfer photos from one machine to another. It's like everything just kind of works together. Uh, and the interface between the iPad and the iPhone is very similar. So it just works really well for me together. And I, I love this combination. Very cool. Well, uh, where can people find your kind of portfolio online? Um, they can go to rishio.com. My name's Rishi, so my website is rishio.com. And if they click on Oflow, they'll see my photography. Um, yeah, or Instagram, I am Rishio. So those are some places. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Uh, I, I've been really di- diving into photo editing and spending all my nights uh, kind of like uh, geeking out with uh, all these different tools out there and and Pixelmator is certainly one of my favorites, so it's uh, been great to chat all about it. Yeah, I look forward to your series. I'll be paying attention to it. It's an interesting topic for me. Well, that was my discussion with Rishi all about Pixelmator Photo. My thanks again to Rishi for his time recording this episode, and my thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. As you just heard, Pixelmator Photo is it's one of my favorite photo editing apps on the iPad, but there are many more that I've been to, and we'll be taking a look at all of those in the coming weeks. As a reminder, you can support the podcast over at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. And with that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.